nights a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. It is the Monday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. How you doing? Happy Monday. I'm Alex Strofe, and we brought in the APA, joined as always every other Monday by Perry Goldstein and Andy Herman, my dear friends. And it is a joyous Monday as Sunday brought uh, big news. Aaron Jones will be back in the green and gold. But before we get to that, break down what that means for the Packers. Uh, happy Monday, guys. How are you doing after uh, the big Sunday? Yeah, happy Monday, Alex. I'm doing great. Excited about Aaron Jones. Perry, how the hell are you? I'm great. Today was, uh, or Sunday rather, was a whirlwind. Tons of tons of news. It was really fun. Yes, it was. And uh, let's dive right into the fun, if you will, because I, I think, you know, there was reports earlier Sunday from ESPN that the Packers would still like to sign Aaron Jones and still are going to try to sign Aaron Jones. I, along with a lot of other people, said baloney, not going to happen. And a couple hours later, uh, old takes exposed was was digging through everybody's tweets. So uh, here we are. Aaron Jones back in Green Bay, four year, forty eight million dollar deal. Agent Drew Rosenhaus told Adam Schefter, quote, Aaron would have signed for more in free agency, but wanted to stay in Green Bay. So, I mean, we already knew what Aaron Jones means to Green Bay. But this shows what Green Bay means to Aaron Jones, I guess, it was kind of my big takeaway, guys. What, what's the uh, initial reaction for you, Perry? I was excited. I think that I had fully mentally prepared myself for Aaron Jones to go elsewhere. Um, I think if you look at a lot of free agents decisions, it's so oftentimes monetarily based. Um, and so I thought there's no way Green Bay is going to be able to give him what he may think that he deserves or wants to in the open market. So I'm just going to prepare to watch Aaron Jones leave. And so to see that today was um, surprising, shocking, but in a good way, right? Like you meant, you said it, he means so much to this team. He means so much to this offense. I think we could spend an entire episode talking about what Aaron Jones means um, to this offense, but just as a person to on and off the field, like become kind of a leader in that running back room, locker room presence, just everything about Aaron Jones is screams. I am a green Bay Packer. And he said that he wanted to be a Packer for life. So the fact that he took probably a pay cut to stay, um, I think says a lot. Uh, I watched his Instagram live yesterday as well, and he just seemed really thrilled to be staying in in Green Bay, where you know he was drafted. He started his career um, and said that there's unfinished business left, which I'm assuming only means a Super Bowl. So just a great dude. Um, I thought that numbers wise, and I'm sure Andy will get into this more than I will. Um, it looked great, and my biggest thing is that. I have always said if our one-two punch next season is Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, that's the most ideal scenario for the Packers, for Matt LaFleur offense. Uh, And I cannot wait, cannot wait to watch that next season. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Perry. And I think there's plenty of discussion to be had here about whether or not teams should pay running backs and, and all of that stuff. But I just I find it crazy that we can't take a quick timeout and just be super happy that Aaron Jones is a Green Bay Packer. Like all of that stuff is is great to talk about. And everyone knows at this point that I love talking about that stuff and figuring out how all of those puzzle pieces will fit together. And if it's smart to pay running backs and like all of those sort of, you know, general manager theory type stuff, that's all great. But there's zero denying 
that like who doesn't want Aaron Jones back on the team? Like you kind of separate church and state here for a minute. Like (laughs) salary cap theory is great. And uh, I, I, like I said, I love doing it, but like at the, at the same token, enjoy good football players and because they don't come, you know, come around like Aaron Jones all that often. And he has been the consummate Green Bay Packer on the field, off the field. He's been fantastic. He is a playmaker. He makes everyone on offense around him better. He took a, what almost assuredly is a team friendly deal to stay in Green Bay immediately announced after he was done that he, you know, basically was um, making a donation um, of part of his, you know, salary to, to charity and things like that. Like this is just a guy that you want to cheer for and you want on his team. Nobody that I know of that I can think of in their right mind wanted to see Aaron Jones in any other Jersey color. Nobody wanted to see him playing for any other team. And again, I'm not saying that it's not fair to have the conversations as to whether or not this is the best way to utilize, you know, the, the finite amount of resources that you have to work with that, that there's a conversation to be had there. And maybe we're going to have it in a couple minutes, but the, uh, to not start with the fact that this is super freaking awesome that Aaron Jones gets to remain a green Bay Packer would be foolhardy to do it any other way. And I think you are able to, at least I'm able to, and I think most people should be able to separate those two things and just enjoy the freaking fact that Aaron Jones is remaining a green Bay Packer. 100%. That's a positive sentiment that, I mean, I I think most people agreed with, right. I I think generally the fan reaction was positive. I think, you know, you know, the idea of, of Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon is, is pretty exciting. I mean, so I, I think overall the reaction, at least from what I saw was positive. Yeah, I think that's fair. And I, you know, I posted a poll afterwards uh, and it seemed like the, the, you know, the sentiment was mostly, it was very overwhelmingly positive. Let's put it that way. There were a few indifferent votes. There were some that hated it, of course, because somebody's going to hate everything. But for the most part, it was very positive. And when, you know, when I look at this, just some of the positives and, and Perry hit on the main one, I think, you know, the fact that, you know, AJ Dillon and Aaron Jones complement each other so incredibly well uh, makes this such a value. But if, if Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon could not coexist on the same playing field at the same time, you can make a very strong argument that you're spending a ton of money on run, one running back and a second round pick on another running back is maybe not the best use of resources, but they very much can coexist on the same field at the same time. And we saw against the Rams in that divisional round game that these two on the same field at the same time can create some very problematic, along with Devontae Adams, I'll put it that way, can create some very problematic mismatches for defenses. So what Green Bay did, and you, I'm not, you know, you guys know this very well, but what they did is, is they basically used Devontae Adams on one side. They used, you know, whether it be two wide receivers or a wide receiver and a tight end as a blocker on the other side with an AJ uh, Dillon in the backfield and Aaron Jones motioning out. And if, if you went single coverage on Devante, good night nurse, like Green Bay is going to take advantage of that every day of the week. And then they're going to make up a new day of the week so they can take advantage of it even more. <laughs> and then, you know, if they if the, they put an extra player out wide when Aaron Jones went in motion, A.J. Dillon was seeing a five man box, like five offensive linemen versus five defenders with A.J. Dillon running into that. Like Green Bay will exploit that for five, six plus yards all day long. And if you pack the box with more players, well, then Aaron Jones is seeing a three on three on the outside, and he's going to likely make that first player miss. And even if he doesn't, he's probably getting above average yardage, a three, four yard gain on that. So it was a really difficult pick your poison for opposing defenses, specifically the Rams in that situation for how they were going to play that. And it took them kind of getting out of their core defense and making some adjustments in the second half before Green Bay stopped being able to exploit that on an every down play. So they can play together in the same backfield. I also think it makes Devontae Adams 
becomes significantly better because we saw multiple teams stack the box against Aaron Jones to take away the run first. Well, all of Green Bay's play action, all of those bootlegs and rollouts where Tunyon was wide open and, you know, Devontae Adams is getting single coverage. That makes the rest of this offense better because Aaron Jones is in that backfield. And then last but not least, and I'll shut up after this, um, you know, you need playmakers on offense. And what I mean by that is somebody who can just get the ball in their hands and be a threat to take it to the house at any given moment. We know Devontae Adams is a playmaker, but outside of him, MVS is kind of, you know, has his inconsistencies and he's more, he has to win, you know, with speed past his corner and then make the catch and continue going. He's not the guy that's usually going to make somebody miss in the open field. You know, AJ Dillon, depending, you know, we don't know if he can do that quite yet. They don't have any other running backs. Alan Lazard's more of the, you know, complimentary receiver that's going to make some third down, you know, completions to convert to first downs. They just don't have playmakers and being able to keep Aaron Jones. I can understand not wanting to maybe pay running backs, but you obviously want to keep your playmakers and pay playmakers. And that's why I didn't hate the contracts for Christian McCaffrey or Elvin Kamara as much as I did for most running backs, because those guys are playmakers and you can get the ball in their hands in a variety of different ways. And I don't think Aaron Jones is quite in that echelon, but he's damn close. And I'm more than happy to pay a play maker of his ilk uh, to continue on the team moving forward wow yeah (laughs) no i i agree andy i think that you know there's a lot of complaints sometimes about who the packers weapons are and they just paid one of them right and you mentioned you know who's going to take it to the house we've seen aaron jones do it multiple times um and so i just think that the complimentary between him and AJ Dillon, I'm I can't wait to see it. I think that after what AJ Dillon showed us, he can do against the Titans. Like now, defenses have to respect that, and the two of them on the field together, you know, you get that pony package, which we all love. Um, it gets upgraded, unfortunately, <sighs> to to say it gets upgraded from Jamal. I feel bad saying, but it does. It gets upgraded when when AJ Dillon's in there instead. And I also think you know what Aaron Jones brings to the passing game too. I, I think about. It also like, you know, Aaron Rodgers is 37. He's going to be turning 38 this season. And we saw what a what a powerhouse run game can do for an aging quarterback. The offensive line that the Packers have, which I think there are still questions, obviously, um, can, you know, it's 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 what this running game needs. So um, everything's set up to continue on. And I I want Packer fans to remember that. You know, maybe if the Packers don't go out and get a new free agent, you know, someone not on the team that using the money and the quote cap space, if you want to go there with this conversation on a guy like Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari, they locked up Kenny Clark. They're probably going to extend Darius, right? That those are huge moves. You know, Aaron Jones was one of the top backs that other teams were going to fight over in the open market and and the Packers are bringing him back. He's not new, but he's still, you know, a top free agent that they're signing. So um, it's exciting. Yeah, he was close to the top of every list out there of the best free agents available. So uh, to get him back ultimately makes your offense that much better and and keeps it as good as it was uh, a year ago. I saw a tweet. I don't know how true this is, but every player mentioned in Little Wayne's green and yellow will be back next year. Uh, I, I don't know how true that is, but that's kind of exciting. Uh, same anthem pair. You can you can rock that in the AirPods nice. uh, again next year. Yeah, it's good to know. Um, all right. Let's talk about the domino effect, because this creates I mean, obviously, a lot of other situations uh, from that. Let's start with, I guess, probably what's going to be two negatives. The first being Jamal Williams will, I think, you know, when the pen went to paper 
for uh, Aaron Jones' new deal. That was the writing on the wall for Jamal Williams' future as a Packer. So his tenure's up. Any any gut uh, reactions, any thoughts on that, Perry? No, I think I've touched on it already with just that, unfortunately. And I, I love Jamal again as a person, as a player, the presence that he brings. And I, I'm sure he will get a deal somewhere else and bring that to the, his new team. And they're very lucky to have him. But he becomes redundant to me with A.J. Dillon on the roster. Um, and I think A.J. Dillon can do more. And I also, if you're going to draft a player in the second round, you want to you want him to take those snaps. You want him to progress and become a weapon, hopefully, for this team. So I just I love the tandem as it is. Um, we'll see what the room looks like behind the two of them. But um, I think, unfortunately, now it's it's time's up for Jamal and thank him for everything he's done so far. Yeah, Andy, same question. Yeah. So I, I, you know, specifically here, and let me start by saying um, my track record so far this offseason, not not the greatest, uh, pretty much uh, said that Preston Smith would not be back, pretty much said that Aaron Jones would not be back. So for any of you that are hoping that maybe Corey Lindsley or Jamal Williams will be back, well, I'm going to say that they're both probably not going to be back either. So, uh, you know, I've been over two so far, I guess one more strike and I'm out. But it certainly seems like the writing is on the wall for both Corey Lindsley and Jamal Williams at this point. Um, and, and frankly, you know, if, if I'm Jamal Williams, with Jones being the guy and Dylan being the future, as well as, you know, likely the number two second round pick, I'm not sure that his best scenario is to come back to Green Bay. If, you know, if, if he's looking for playing time, it, it probably isn't. So I think mm-hmm. that one makes sense. And then as much as I've said all offseason, I would love to have Corey Lindsley back. I think he's one of the most underrated Packers over the course of the past few seasons. I think people, you know, started to kind of catch up this past year and see just how great he was. But yeah. um, it just makes it it makes it really difficult to see that the money's going to be there with how they've done things so far and bringing back Preston and bringing back Aaron Jones and and seeing that there'd be money for either of those players left. Yeah, I was going to get to Corey Lindsley next. And you're right. I, I mean, he's he's probably out the door as well. It's what I mean, we've kind of seen over the course of the last two months. There's really hasn't been at least any public negotiations on any side. But center tends to be, uh, you know, very replaceable position, maybe not all pro replaceable because Lindsley is that good, but certainly a replaceable position. So I, I think, you know, that's that's the right direction to go. I think that's right, Alex. I, I it, it's really really tough um, because again, you you want to keep your players, and it's it's about Aaron Jones. You you're just gonna hate seeing Corey Lindsley with any other jersey on. Same yeah. like Brian Bulaga. Like those are just mm-hmm. guys that you want to see as Green Bay Packers, right? But I, when you have two players who personally, and and I think I think Perry's gonna disagree with me at least on one of these, but two players in my opinion whose best position on the roster is center and Lucas Patrick and Elton mm-hmm. Jenkins. I think they're ultimately their best position could both be center. Um, it just potentially doesn't make a ton of sense to spend a ton of money on another center and play really three centers as your interior of your offensive line. Of course, we know Jenkins can play anywhere. Patrick can play right guard, center, left guard, and a lot of versatility there. But if you're going to bring back, you know, uh, you know, Elton Jenkins as your center, potentially Lucas Patrick could play guard. Lane Taylor could play guard. If you bring him back, you know, John Runyon Jr., you still have four pretty good interior options along the offensive line, even without Corey Lindsley and without mm-hmm. taking too much of a hit. Um, and then, you know, hopefully Bakhtiari is back. We know Billy Turner is going to be back. And what I, when I say Bakhtiari, I mean from an injury standpoint. And then I think you have to really find one swing offensive tackle, assuming 
assuming you bring back Lane Taylor on the interior to kind of bring this all together. I think that's going to be the last thing that they really need. And then trying to figure out what they're going to do if Bakhtiari misses games. But it sucks to lose him. And again, you don't want to see him on any other jersey, but it, it definitely makes some sense at this point. My thing with Corey Lindsley is that it's like kind of you said with Aaron Jones with the you know, you have to separate out your sort of cap GM head or hat and and your fan hat. And the fan hat in me wants Corey Lindsley back for all the reasons that we've discussed, not just on the show, but in previous and the GM hat on it's it, it it's obvious that it it doesn't make any sense um, from a monetary perspective, from what Andy just said, based off of personnel. Um, but at the same time, I think the offensive line is better with Corey Lindsley in there. Um, and you want to get your best five guys out there and mm-hmm. your best five is with Corey Lindsley. Now, again, it, it doesn't make sense from, I mean, they just paid Jones. So, and even that I was like, where's this money coming from? Yeah, right. Um, but so I, it even further pushes out the idea that Corey Lindsley would come back. And I do think that it's possible that they draft someone right. John Runyon Jr. can take snaps. There, there's a lot of different options. And we saw the shuffle of the offensive line last season. Um, but it it's a tough pill to swallow to lose an all pro center like Corey Lindsley after the year that he's had, you know, for continuity purposes, the relationship he has with Aaron Rodgers, your center's relationship with your quarterback is huge. So um, it's just a it's just a, it's going to be hard to watch, I guess. Yeah, no doubt about it. And we praise the offensive line as a whole and Lindsley, of course, so much throughout the course of the regular uh, season. But uh, you mentioned it. I think we all hit it, right? I mean, it's a replaceable position. The the, the, the role is obviously a really important one. The communicator, uh, obviously, manning the line, uh, but replaceable position. So uh, ultimately, it sucks. The fan in you doesn't want to see either of these guys walk. Two guys that have made quite an impact and played really good football with the Packers, but likely uh, out the door in Jamal Williams and Corey Lindsley. Now let's get to the positives of this. Sedaria Smith last week tweeted, he wants to be a Packer for life. Well, following the Aaron Jones signing, Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reports that in order to get the Aaron Jones deal done, the Packers will have to complete an extension with Zadarius Smith that will greatly lower his salary cap number. So Zadarius wants to be a Packer for life. The contract now uh, is seems like it's in motion, at least according to Tom. This is great. 55 in Green Bay for, for several more years. Uh, another fan favorite, but this one's going to be around a while, Perry. Yeah, I think this is awesome. I think this is like just an all around win win for the team, for him, for fans. Right. You get a lower salary cap. Who knows what that will look like? I guess we'll see the numbers when it happens. Um, Maybe leave some room for the Packers to do other things. And then you get Zadarius Smith in Green Bay for longer. Um, It's just his. I think that we saw what he brought to the team immediately. Right. When they signed him and his production on the field. I'll be lower in 2020, but that's just because 2019 was a monster season for him shows me that he still has all the juice. Um, and I really appreciate, you know, the, the threesome, I guess that we have in both the Smiths with Preston staying and Rashawn Gary and Rashawn has even talked about, you know, what he's learned being behind both of them and what it's meant for him and, um, the leadership that, that Zedarius brings. And I, I hope that this fires him up. You know, you know, that he has said he, 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 all he wants is Super Bowl. Um, so I hope he comes back next season and, and is ready to go. 
it's going to be really interesting to see what this potential deal looks like. Um, you, you know, I, I don't want to make too much into this because Z is obviously still an incredibly good football player. Both Pro Football Focus and I had him as the player who, you know, regressed the most from 2020 uh, into 2020 from 2019. Um, and Again, most of that is due to because he was superhuman in 2019 and just played absolutely out of his mind. And it, both Pro Football Focus and I still had him graded as a good player in 2020. So this isn't like Preston, who was good and went to bad from 2019 to 2020. Uh, this is, you know, going from superhuman to just, you know, you know, good to really good in 2020. But I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what a long term extension for Zedarius looks like. There's no question that Zedarius has imprinted himself as the the leader and the focal point of this Packers defense. And I think it's also fair to point out that part of the reason that Z saw his his numbers in production and just overall, I don't know, um, you know, impact impacted this past season was due to teams focusing on him that much more. They were ensuring that Zedarius Smith at times was not going to beat them. And he still found ways to make impact plays at a level that I think would be fair to say maybe outside of Jair Alexander. And even then Jair was more just shut down, not necessarily making impact plays. It was tough for him to make impact plays because teams completely avoided Jair Alexander. So I think you could still make an argument that Z had more impact plays than anyone else on defense this past season. So I really like this this idea of extending Z. I think he's, again, a player that you want to see on this, this team long term. But I'm going to be really interested to see what the structure looks like. How many years do they extend? What type of money do they put into him? Um, he's certainly earned it. And I, again, I'm excited to see him back. But again, the the fake GM in me also wants to see just exactly how this is structured moving forward. You are you're, you're almost uh, I don't want to say paranoid, but you, you need to know what's going on with with the numbers. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It's it's uh, I don't want to call you a nerd, but Andy, you're a nerd. Um, For sure. But that's 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 all with love. Um, so. Andy, uh, to bring everybody behind the curtain, we have we have a show sheet, um, and, and this bullet point says, "What about Rogers?" So, Andy, what about Rogers? What does this do? Uh, are, are they going to restructure here, or should we expect one soon? Yeah, for for anyone that didn't get a chance to watch the YouTube video from Sunday, I went about 18 minutes over this, which I'm not going to do <laughs> right now for obvious reasons, mostly to save YouTube from having to listen to me for 18 minutes. But um, so go listen to that. But I, to sum this up as succinctly as I can, whatever happens this offseason, whether it's Aaron Jones and Preston Smith coming back, what they do in the draft, um, you know, if they sign a big free agent, if they don't, whatever happens this offseason, if they extend Devonte Adams, all of it pales in comparison to what happens with Aaron Rodgers and his contract, likely within the next week, probably within the next week, maybe the next two weeks at the most. To me, what they do or don't do with Rodgers shapes this, you know, the, the franchise unequivocally moving forward one way or the other. If they don't do anything to his deal or just do a minor restructure of just like his his roster bonus, that screams that they still want to be able to get out of his deal in two years when he turns 40, which I'm not saying is right or wrong or indifferent. I'm just saying whether they intend it to or not, it screams that they still want to be able to get out of Aaron Rodgers deal and that they they want that flexibility and that they could do it and that they're not really giving you know Aaron Rodgers any assurance that he's going to be a packer 2 years from now when they can easily get out of his deal in 2023 
On the flip side, if they extend him or if they do a massive restructure that clears a ton of space and put a bunch of bonuses in in, in the next couple seasons, that's going to scream that they are invested in Rodgers for at least the, the current length of his contract, if not more, if they would extend him. And that sends a major message to Jordan Love and, and his agent and his representation, because at some point and, and Love's probably OK with it for now, um, you know, taking another year. He takes a step from going from the third stringer to the backup this year with not bringing Tim Boyle back. Uh, pour one out for, for Tim. But, um, you know, I do think that that still sends a message that, hey, there's not really a a you know path to the starting quarterback role for you if they were to extend Rodgers or make it so that they can't release him over the course of the next couple seasons. So I think either way, this is going to be very, very telling of what happens with Rodgers and just how invested they are in him over the course of the next couple seasons. And if you're Rodgers and he's come out and said very clearly he wants to retire a Packer and he's you know open to extending or doing an additional deal or whatever, and they don't do anything or they just do a really small restructure that doesn't change things one iota. That, again, I think that's telling. And if you're Rodgers, that has to be at least somewhat frustrating. So uh, I think this is a really important week one way or the other. And again, what, what, whatever they choose could go right or wrong in a million different directions. And I'm certainly not going to sit here and say now one way or another of what they should do. But it's going to change the Packers franchise dependent upon what they do or don't do with Rodgers deal this this next week or two. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I've been thinking as well, Andy. And it's it's interesting because I feel like as being on a, the side of not being part, you know, inside the building, right? We're not inside the head of Goot or Matt LaFleur or Rogers, and they tend to keep their cards pretty close to their chest when it comes to him. Um, but we can read into this and, you know, we only have the information that they show us, which is what this restructure is going to look like. And I... I think that it's one of those decisions where the front office is just in a pretty precarious place because it's going to be very clear. There, there isn't really going to be much hiding or, you know, decision making behind the scenes or, you know, things that fans technically, I guess, don't know about, um, depending on this restructure, right? It is going to just be, if we extend him, we feel like, Rodgers is our starter for the foreseeable future. And what that means for Jordan Love is a huge question mark. And I think people will be have feelings about the pick one way or the other, um, no matter what happens with Rodgers' deal. And then again, like you mentioned, if they don't do anything or they just restructure for cap space and it's it's clear that they're going to probably move on from him in the next couple of seasons, um, it's again just you know, information for us to know, I think, mentally prepare for a regime change. I think to me, the thing that I was thinking about the most yesterday with the Aaron Jones signing is that, let's say, so they're bringing Jones back, right? They're bringing, we hope that they extend Devontae. Um, They locked up um, David Bakhtiari, Kenny Clark, like I said earlier, Zadarius Smith, like really core players, you know, they hope you hope that they re-sign Jair Alexander. I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Um, I think they're really setting up for no matter who's under center to have a really, really strong base. And if it is Jordan Love in two years, depending on what happens with Rodgers, I think they're setting him up for as much success as possible, um, given the players that they've retained 
at really key positions. So um, that was just my thought. I know that's like a little bit off of what that means for Rodgers, but I I definitely appreciated the ability for the Packers front office, no matter what they do at the quarterback position, to just have a really nice core um, for the foreseeable future. Yeah, agreed. Uh, yeah, agreed as well. Um, beautifully said by both of you. It'll be interesting to see, but as as far as we know, the MVP uh, here for at least you know the next couple of years. Again, we can hope. But anyway, uh, more domino effects. We we, we had a uh, show dedicated to this and Adrian Amos's move uh, earlier in the weekend. But uh, let's talk about it quick. Just a quick hit on. Preston Smith restructuring his deal. A lot of people, since we're in cap season, thought maybe he would be a cap casualty or a cut. Uh, but Preston uh, Smith back with a restructure and an extension through 2022. Uh, quick gut reaction or, or, or any thoughts on that, Andy? Yeah, just, you know, kind of quickly here. So there's always two sides to every story. And I think this is a really interesting one with 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 Preston. And I think, first of all, the, the first way to look at it is to say, in all likelihood, they're going to pay him in cap space $16 million the next two seasons for one year of Preston Smith. And that could even increase if he, he you know, if he hits certain uh, metrics with sacks to get bonuses on top of that. So this could be somewhere between 16 to 20.4 million for likely one you know, year of, of Preston Smith when they likely end up releasing him next season based on his potentially $20 million contract next year. So uh, that's not ideal, right? Having to pay 16 to 20 million for Preston Smith um, in salary cap space over the next two seasons is an overpay. But they had to pay eight million of that anyway, and and because of the the bonus that they you know already had as a sunk cost, and it basically amounts to a one year eight million dollar deal with some potential bonuses if he reaches them for for Preston Smith, and more importantly, only seven hundred and fifty thousand more than what they would have paid if they cut him uh, by keeping him this season, and then they paid the seven point two five million in the future, which allows much more flexibility this season. And let's just say, for instance, that they did let Preston Smith walk and they wanted to spend eight million dollars on a incoming free agent. You can't really structure. There's not really a, an opportunity to structure a deal that would pay an incoming free agent one million this year and seven million in the future. There's not really an apparatus to do that. And even if you could, the agent and the player probably don't want to take that uh, because they're getting all the money next year because they, they, you can't do a signing bonus because it splits 50-50. So the, the agent and the player wouldn't want to do that either, even if you could. So they, they can't do an apples-to-apples apples deal with anyone that's on the free agent market and just say, well, we could get a better player for one year, $8 million on the open market because they don't probably have the money to just pay the $8 million up front this season. So that complicates things even more and, and really makes this that much more of a genius deal for Green Bay. And the deal made sense from Preston Smith's standpoint and his agents. They can make up the money if they get the incentives. If, they, if Green Bay cut him, I don't think he gets a one year, $8 million deal on the free agent market. Plus he has the opportunity to cash in when the cap is much higher a year from now and not super strapped like it is this season. So, and I'll end with this, the, the beauty of this for green Bay is they just literally built a scenario where, you know, one year, 8 million extra for Preston Smith, isn't that egregious. And they gave him every reason to be insanely motivated to put up legit numbers this year because if he gets you know if he gets sacks not only is he getting bank from the the bonuses that he gets 
but he's setting himself up for another huge payday while he's still in his 20s in the next upcoming offseason. So uh, Preston has every reason to be ultra motivated this season. And if you're Green Bay, and I said this last season, and I'll say it again this season, if you really want to make a jump defensively and you really want to be a dominant team on defense, all, you don't need to look past Preston, Zedarius, Kenny, and uh, Rashawn Gary. That group has to be great. And last year they weren't. In 2019, even without Gary doing anything, that group was great because Clark and Zedarius and Preston played great. That group has to be great this season. And now they've just incentivized Preston Smith to be great this year. And hopefully he pays that off with a monster year for Green Bay. That's really well put. And uh you know, obviously the payday comes now, but uh, still ultra motivated nonetheless. And that is uh, the group that needs to be stellar. Obviously, uh, the defensive back situation, which I think we'll probably get into here in a second, um, wasn't all money outside of jaw money. But uh, if that group's up front, that front seven, especially the, the guys you named, if they're solid, uh, that gives the defense a really good shot to be overall solid. Perry, any uh, any parting thoughts on the Preston Smith deal? No, I talked about this with Andy after it happened, and I feel like I was a minority in that I was fairly actually indifferent about uh, Preston Smith coming back. I I felt like very similar sentiments to what Andy said. It's it's a nice deal for him. Um, I think it, you know, cleared up some room. I didn't love the eight million dead cap. I think that he if he can have kind of a prove it year and his productivity goes up. He makes money. The Packers defense does better. I think it's, it's a, it's a nice deal. And then again, if he performs like he did in the 2020 season, then they know that, you know, this is not someone we want to bring back. And unfortunately, you know, Preston Smith will likely not be on the Packers um, next season. I, I think from a depth perspective and you don't sign somebody, Andy and I fought about this already. You don't sign somebody for $12 million, uh, you know, for depth, but, at the same time, you know, you really do only have Zadarius Smith and Rashawn Gary and then a bunch of guys on the roster who you would love to see be productive for the team, Tipa or Jonathan Garvin, you know, those kinds of guys, but very unproven, right? And even Rashawn has only had one, you know, real productive season. So still like a half proven to me, you know, you want to see more from him again next season. So I do like the fact that, you know, you're one rolled ankle or sprained knee, you know what I mean? Or concussion away from mm-hmm. losing one of your star starters um, at, at Drusher. And it's so important to the defense. So um, I just think having him also for, from that perspective is, is a good choice. I would agree. And uh, it's too bad. I didn't get to hear the Andy and Perry fight, but there's always, uh, there's always several other topics we can get into that with. We usually agree on so much. So disagreeing was, was fun. It was so, therapeutic. Yeah. <laughs> Perry, I think you said this, but let me ask you just one quick thing on the Preston Smith deal. You didn't expect him to be a Packer next year, right? I didn't. Um, but that was really a cap thing, to be honest, no, right. more than a productivity right. thing. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit of both, I think, is uh, what a lot of people, you know, maybe expected. But uh, this is still I'm still OK with it. I'm kind of with you. I'm indifferent. I'm happy. I like Preston, but didn't expect him to be around. So uh, we will see what he brings to the table later this year. But let's jump into the land of hypotheticals, because uh, that's always a lot of fun. Casey Hayward was cut from the Chargers after five years with them over the weekend. He's 31 years old. Of course, he was a second round pick in 2012, spent uh, until 2015 in Green Bay, could Goody maybe make a reunion? Is Casey Hayward a realistic target, Perry? This is such an interesting 
case study um, because I was pretty upset. Micah Hyde and Casey Hayward were the two free agents that the that was the first time. That was really when I really started paying attention and getting more than just watching every Sunday, right? Like really following along with the team. And it was the first time I had like emotions about players leaving. Um, if that makes sense, right? Like you, sometimes sure. you don't care. Sometimes you're like, you have some level of like sentimentality to it. So th- those two were the first that I really remember Micah Hyde more than Casey Hayward. Um, and I think the departure with Casey Hayward was not as, um, amicable, let's say than Micah Hyde. So, so a reunion, I always have that in the back of my mind as well. Um, in this hypothetical scenario, um, from a player perspective, I, I don't watch a ton of chargers football, so I, I don't know, you know, his stats or anything of that nature, but I think from, uh, the perspective of where the Packers secondary is, um, having a vet like Casey Hayward and someone who's, you know, he's not Tremont's age, right? He's not 37, but um, he's a little bit up there. He probably still has some juice in him. You know, cornerbacks don't age as as well as quarterbacks do, but 31 isn't super old. I think it would add a nice level of protection, sort of stopgap, depending on who the Packers draft. Um, we see Goot a lot get someone more like a vet in free agency and then draft for that position in the same year. Um, So if he did bring in someone like Casey Hayward or, you know, any other sort of vet like Xavier Rhodes, for example, someone like that, um, then, you know, you expect him to draft for that position as well. Um, But I think that it would make a lot of sense given where the Packers secondary stands and that hole that Kevin King leaves, um, because no matter what, you know, no one's throwing the ball at Jair Alexander, right? And so that second spot, that person's going to get super picked on. We saw it with Kevin King. And if it's a rookie, it might be even worse than what we saw with Kevin King, right? There's some serious growing pains um, with rookie cornerbacks. And we saw the Packers pick apart rookie cornerbacks at the beginning of, of the season in 2020. So I love the idea of getting a bet. Um, in terms of Casey Hayward, a reunion back in Green Bay would make it that much sweeter. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. Well, for, I definitely agree with the fact that it was, I would love to see Casey Hayward back in Green Bay. Like, who wouldn't want to see that, right? But um, my one concern here is, and this could have been done for, for salary cap purposes or things like that, but the Chargers cut Casey Hayward, and their head coach is Brandon Staley. And what defense is Green Bay running in, uh, you know, hoping to run this season? Brandon mm-hmm. Staley's defense. So if by any way, shape or form, the Chargers and Brandon Staley felt like Casey Hayward wasn't a fit in their defense, my guess is Green Bay is going to feel like, you know, they're not going to fit in the defense here in Green Bay under Joe Barry. So I think that could in and of itself just kind of put, a, you know, a sour taste on the whole thing, unfortunately. But at the same token, bring good football players in. And if your defense is good enough, you're going to be able to utilize good players just about no matter what. And I think Casey Hayward definitely fits within that realm. I'm not a huge fan of signing free agents over the age of 30. Yeah, certainly, I think even if you look at what Brian Gutekunst has done in his career in Green Bay, his contracts for the most part that have worked out, um, you know, the the 20-year-olds that he signed with, uh, with Zedarius and Preston and Amos and Turner have for the most part very much turned out. Um, when he's gone with older veterans, um, Jimmy Graham did not work out. Um, Muhammad Wilkerson did not work out. Lewis, Mercedes Lewis definitely worked out um, overall, but that was more of a, a very cheap flyer. 
I think they brought back Devon House, if I remember correctly. That didn't work out. Um, you know, just some of the, the the over 30 free agent signings haven't always worked out the greatest. Even this past year, you know, Kirksey wasn't, I don't think in his 30s, but he was definitely a little bit older than that initial group. So I think if you can get younger free agents, I'm, I'm not breaking news here, right? That's obviously the, the preference, but I still think there's value in Hayward. I just don't know if it's within this, this new Joe, Joe Barry defense. Interesting. Interesting thought. Uh, I'm for it, uh, but it, but that's an interesting note, um, you know, given everything that's gone on there. But uh, I think anything is better than the Chargers in the last five years. So, yeah, a, a reunion would be a lot of fun uh, if Casey Hayward was back. I just know that when I was like, I don't know, like 13, he gave me an autograph. So I've always loved Casey Hayward uh, <laughs> because uh, because of that moment. But been solid on the field for the last several years. So I uh, would love to see a reunion, but we'll see what happens, uh, as Aaron Nagler would put it. It's a maybe. Uh, all right, let's go into some more hypotheticals. Uh, we, we're going to go one realistic move we'd like to see and one dream move or maybe unrealistic move you'd like to see the Packers make as free agency officially opens Wednesday, but, uh, you know, kind of open for players that have been cut and whatnot. But anyway, okay, let's get to it. Uh, I'll lead off. One realistic move I want to see, I'd like to see Raven Green back. Uh, from what we saw from him when he was healthy last year, I was impressed. I uh, I overall uh, was impressed with him, and we've talked about the concerns of the defensive back group. I'd like to see him, uh, him back with the Packers as he is a free agent. Um, and I'll go into the dream move. I'll stick with the defensive back scheme. Patrick Peterson is unrestricted. I think he'll still get a deal done with Arizona before Wednesday's uh, before Wednesday comes. But I would love to see Patrick Peterson. That would be Goody's Charles Woodson move right there. Patrick Peterson was able to join forces in the Packers defensive backfield. Uh, Perry, how about you go next? One realistic, one dream move. Um, I want to see the Packers tender Robert Tunyon. I think that that's something that can be very easily done. I don't know why they haven't done it yet, um, but you know, lock that lock that tight end up. He had a phenomenal season. I think everyone can unanimously agree that it makes sense for them to bring him back. Um, and my unrealistic is actually also in the cornerback realm. Surprise. Um, Andy did a video on this. So if you don't watch the YouTube, go back and watch Andy's YouTube video on this. Um, but I would give so many things for the Packers to acquire Stefan Gilmore, like so many things. I think him and Jair Alexander and Savage and Amos would be just the most ridiculous uh, secondary. So that would make me very happy. Yeah, definitely agree with Perry here. And that was my my unrealistic, maybe slightly unrealistic one as well. I just think if you look at what Stefan Gilmore would be able to do for Green Bay, he doesn't have to be the guy in Green Bay because that's Jair. And t- making Gilmore and Jair together as your cornerback, that's obviously 1A is the best cornerback duo in all the NFL, but that's one of the best position groups in all of the NFL. You kept your front, you know, your front together with Gary and, and Preston and, and Zadarius and Clark and, and that group. If they can get pressure, and now you've got two lockdown guys in Gilmore and, and Jair at your outside corners, two really good safeties and Savage and Amos, you know, bringing up the back end. I mean, that just gives you so much, you know, so much possibilities to make a really great defense. And you could still go first, second round and find, you know, what, like a Asante Samuel or an Elijah Molden in the first couple rounds to put as your nickel corner and just look the hell out in that situation. And, you know, 
the unrealistic piece here is just that, well, this doesn't seem like, you know, a move that Green Bay would make or whatever, but they don't have the money or things like that. But Gilmore would only cost seven million on a one year deal like this. If you want to talk about a realistic all in sort of move, only seven million and whatever trade capital that you have to give up for Stefan Gilmore to pair and put in this defense like that's legitimately the one type of all in move that Green Bay doesn't have to spend 20 million or 30 million or like a long term deal in free agency. It's a one year rental for seven million for Stefan Gilmore, who was literally just the defensive player of the year in 2019. So like just two years ago. So this is not like, you know, he's fallen off this major cliff. And again, he doesn't have to be the guy in the secondary anymore. So I love, love, love that move. And even if honestly, even if it costs like a second round pick and I get that's exorbitant, I don't think it would. I think it's probably closer to like a third and like a future fourth or fifth or something like that. But even if it costs like a future second round pick or maybe even better, like a third round pick that turns into a second, if you like win the Super Bowl or something like I am a okay with that because the, the opportunity to make that happen for a season on a one year, $7 million deal. I just think that's the type of outside of the box creative move that green Bay needs to make this off season. And as far as realistic moves, um, you know, Bobby Tunyon obviously is in that realm. Uh, Mercedes Lewis to, you know, bringing him back on his one year, $2 million deal that they've done the last few seasons makes sense, but I'll go a little bit more than that. And I'll say, I, I still think, and I haven't watched a ton of Troy Hill, so I'm going to hedge mm-hmm. my bets a little bit here, but Troy Hill still makes a, a good deal of sense coming from that Joe Barry Rams defense. And the fact that he can play both slot and the outside, where if you do in the draft, get a Greg Newsome um, or, you know, somebody like that, that you want to be able to play on the outside. Well then, all right, Troy Hill can kick inside and you still have two new, you know, shiny corners to go with Jair Alexander. But if all of a sudden you get more of a slot corner, you know, like an Elijah, Molden or Asante Samuel, maybe um, that you want to play on the inside. All right, then Troy Hill can go and kick outside and still play there. And of course, the free agency happens prior to the draft. So this just allows you to kind of hedge your bets a little bit as well and, and see what the best player available is in the draft to kind of help your secondary out. I wish you could see my face right now with you talking about all this. <laughs> just pure disgust? No, it's excitement. I'm so happy. <laughs> like the idea of Stefan Gilmore in this Packers secondary with Jair and then potentially like drafting Elijah Bolden, who I think now by now everyone knows is my draft crush, uh, would be just ridiculous. Super Bowl, book it. Perry uh, Goldstein, the self-proclaimed DB stan. It's really showing out right now. It, it's just great. It's fun. It's it such a fun, fun position, you know? It is. I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, all right. Uh, that pretty much wraps it up, but uh, we should maybe touch on briefly just uh, some other big news that came out yesterday, and that is, of course, Drew Brees retires from the NFL in, a, in an Instagram video, the most adorable retirement I've ever seen. His kids announced it for him. Um, and, uh, I mean, one of the one of the greatest quarterbacks, especially of not only this generation, but maybe ever that guy's broken, it seems every record ever. Uh, he was a lot of fun to watch. One of the great quarterbacks, of course, as I keep saying, of, of, of recent time and all time uh, from the New Orleans Saints. And of course, his days in San Diego, Drew Brees done in the NFL. Any any uh, any thoughts on that, guys? Perry, you go first. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone saw it coming. Um, He wasn't really the Drew Brees that we all remember him um, this past season. And uh, it's just honestly been a pleasure to watch him play. I, I, 
have always, um, you know, had a soft spot for Drew Brees, respect the hell out of him and what he's done for the city of New Orleans as well. Um, you know, obviously first ballot Hall of Famer. And I uh, just feel pretty lucky to have been able to watch him all these years. Yeah, I mean, his career, you know, right up there with any of the all time greats, you know, and, and I think that's the main takeaway here. Right. But uh, I just really quick you know, two cautionary tales about this for anyone that's looking to extend, you know, Aaron Rodgers um, and put a bunch of money into the future into years 40, 41, 42. Yes, it worked with Tom Brady. It hasn't really worked with any other quarterback over the age of 40. And even, you know, Drew Brees has fallen off very much so from previous seasons. That can also be the case and that can happen. And then two, what we've seen with the Saints, that is a team that went all in, multiple times to try to get Drew Brees one last championship and make that run while he was still there and they fell short and they are going to be so behind the eight ball for the course of the next few seasons. They continue to make some pretty crazy moves. This is going to get ugly in New Orleans with, I think, ultimately where their roster ends up and what they're going to have to do over the next couple of seasons. So, again, not to take away from uh, Drew Brees and his greatness, because that's the more important takeaway here. But just two very cautionary tales that, you know, older quarterbacks don't always stay the same and uh, going all in doesn't always work. And the Saints are really paying for both of those right now. Very fair. Uh, since it's not the day he retired, I will throw this out there. Aaron Rodgers, three MVPs, Drew Brees, zero. You mentioned the craziness going on in New Orleans. We're not going to get into this, but I just want to throw this out there before we wrap up. Uh, former Green Bay Packer, Taysom Hill, four-year, $140 million contract extension, but all years voidable. I think that should be noted as well. So Taysom Hill. Uh, maybe we'll make some really good money and, and as the future quarterback, maybe as of the New Orleans Saints. What a- just really quick, Alex, I just yeah. want to just really interject really quick here. Why not like just go four year, like three hundred billion dollars? Like, why stop? Because he's not going <laughs> to see any of that money. Like, what right. is stopping you from just making it like a, a trillion? Like, just make up a number. Just like <laughs> keep throwing nines in there as, as many like just hold down the nine key on your keyboard until you just get bored of doing it and sign him to like a four year. And then just make that. I, I want to just see like team like the, like the literally the tweet can't fit the amount of nines in there that they put on the deal because all, literally anything after the one year. Like, like what 12 million that he gets this year is not going to happen anyway. So right. just make it like a bajillion, just like I said, make up some stupid number. Like why yeah. not just make that him the highest paid fun. player of all time. Yeah. That would have been pretty fun for no reason at all. A gadget tight end quarterback. I don't know if he's the starter for new Orleans this year, it's going to get interesting. It's going to get really interesting. They're not going to be very good. All right, guys. Uh, I, 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 as always really good talking to you. Um, appreciate it. Good to be back. Perry, brilliant stuff today. Andy, you're a nerd, um, but always, <laughs> always always great to hear from you. Uh, that does it for us uh, on the Pack-A-Day podcast. Connect with Perry at Perry underscore Goldstein. Goldstein, I can't speak. She's got 10,000 followers. Add to that number. Go find Andy at Andy Herman NFL. He's got 30,000 followers. And if you're uh, if, if you want to rock with the, uh, I don't even know what the number is, a lot less than either of them, at Alex underscore Strofe. For me, we're all at at Packaday Podcast. Connect with the show there on Twitter. That does it for us. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.